welcome to another episode of We're Not Wizards. My name's Richard. I will be your host for this morning or this evening or this afternoon or whenever you happen to be listening because after all, it is your podcast. So um, joining me today, um, it's I was going to say it's repeat offender, but it's not because the company's kind of like a repeat offender because we have had um, people on before from this organisation but joining me today is um, is AJ Lambeth from Colossal Games. And Colossal Games are running a Kickstarter at the moment called uh, Kami Sama. So um, we thought it would be a good idea to get him on, have a chat and uh, find out more about this fabulous game, which is uh, doing some good numbers on Kickstarter at the moment. So hello, AJ. Hey, Richard. Glad to be here. I'm delighted you're here. Um, I think Kira and uh, Mark have fed you a whole pile of lies <laughs> about, yes. how, about how friendly and how relaxed <laughs> and how, <laughs> how kind of easy this is going to be. I'm going to have to have some words with you. I think there's going to be potentially a meeting and potentially disciplinaries, but it's entirely up to you. Um, but no, thank you for coming on. Um, <laughs> we're going to be um, we're going to be talking a bit about Kami Kami Sama. Correct which is currently on Kickstarter and um you're almost you're um double funded almost yes uh right now we are at 57,000 looking at it at the time of the recording and uh, our original goal was only 30 so we're just uh 80 to 90% I can't do math this <laughs> you're cruising so it's good it's good it's good um i guess for people who haven't listened before thank you for joining us uh the reason that we do this is because we just we don't think there's enough kind of podcasts out there about board games, and the second reason that we do this is because um, when Mark and Kira came on last time to talk about Western Legends, we had a lot of fun. And when they said, "Do you want to go and speak to AJ about Kamisama?" I I just had to say yes. You know, there's <laughs> no way I was going to refuse to have a conversation. Um, and uh, so again, thank you for kind of coming on. Now, what we like to do is we like to find out a little bit about somebody's past involvement with a hobby. So we like to kind of, I guess, stare back into the mist of the past. Uh, we like to look at the present before we kind of scurry off into the future. So do you want to start Mark. off by telling us a little bit about your history with a hobby then, AJ? Ah, well, I'm still fairly new to the design portion of the hobby. Um, I kind of found board games after uh, a magic tournament at a local store. The owner just kind of threw a box of Arkham Horror right in front of me. Okay. And, uh, well, we used to hang out there a lot, so it was just kind of a casual uh, thing. We we were in high school and had nowhere else to go, so we just hung out in the store. It's like, just play this. I'm, I'm tired of teaching you guys magic all the time or playing. Um, so we ended up uh, kind of stumbling through a game of that. I'm sure we botched every role you possibly could because we had never played a game like that. And uh, mm. I, I ended up uh, going home with a copy of Arkham Horror that night and torturing my girlfriend. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there we go, police. We've got it on tape. This. <laughs> Well, uh, it, I luckily it was a co-op game. Uh, she, she was tired of her, so she was tired of playing magic with me because right, okay. I mean, just one on one. And I, I've been playing in tournaments, so it was a little bit vicious, even when I tried not to be. Uh, so this was the first time. I'm like, oh, we're working as a team, and we need to stop Cthulhu and all that fun <laughs> stuff. 
that and the collection aspect like again this was this was just new for us like look at all these expansions and characters and oh man it's uh, all the extra money i had went into getting everything i could for arkham horror do you still have it do you still have yes the game? i have it in a giant wooden chest uh specially made for it uh underneath my bed so you I, actually you actually went all in then I yeah, I, I sold some collectibles in my house just to buy the chest, and I have everything except for the special like penny arcade promotion characters that came out like ten years ago. Is that something I, that you can you kind of searching for then? Kind of. I, I I'm big on not using eBay because I like the thrill of the hunt. So like whenever <laughs> I'm at a a con or something, I'm just running around like you have this, and just like shaking down everyone in a Harrison uh, Ford fashion. It's like give me the cards. <laughs> Is that are you the type of guy that if um you know how you get the kind of the Kickstarters for um you know like um I would try to think you know the Kickstarters where you get like say the Dice Tower come out with kind of like these exclusives if there was like an Arkham Horror there and it said you had to pledge like the top tier to get it you'd be like all over it. Uh yes, uh, <laughs> that that's actually an issue with the Dice Tower one recently because uh, I also went into Arcadia Quest and as you know there's whole mess of exclusives but luckily uh my boss hooked me up recently with the tomeric uh figure that i was missing because again i i don't want to go on ebay nothing against ebay but i like the thrill of the hunt um and he was able to or he talked to somebody over there recently and got me one but now i'm on the hunt for this year's dice tower they did it to me again and i'm missing chuck so it's you'll see me at the next convention just kind of quickly searching around each of the tables do you have chuck have you seen chuck you're serious as well you're going to be doing this this is going to be regardless if they say here's the next big game you can get a full day with the next game and we'll give you here's a copy and it's sealed in fact have two copies keep one for being sealed you know the seventh continent rep comes up to you it says aj we like the cut of your jib have a sealed copy. Have all the expansions. You just take that away. It's never going. It's going. Not only exclusive to Kickstarter, it's exclusive to you. <laughs> there's only, oh, there's only the one version. There's only one version of this kind of thing. You're going to be like, no, no. There's a Chuck over there. I gotta go, <laughs> I gotta go get my Chuck. I gotta <laughs> complete that collection. Bye, bye. <laughs> no, you hang up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I have nowhere else to go. <laughs> So, um, did you, um, I mean, so you've got ev you pretty much got kind of like every single thing that's kind of going on then, or every single thing that's going with Arkham Horror except for a couple of, of kind of exclusives. Do you still play it then? I mean, do you have, do you have a version that you kind of keep nice and do you have a version, a scuffier version that you get out and still kind of play? I have just the scuffier version because uh, my wife won't let me get stuff to just keep a nice pristine condition, which is sad because I used to be a comic book collector as well. Mm -hmm. um, and that was, I, I always wanted those near mint conditions. She's like, no, if you get stuff, it has to be used. So uh, yeah, I only have the one copy and it's used and uh, until it is completely unusable, I will not be getting a new one. Really? Um, luckily, it's still in print though. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> Well, you not have you not kind of like maybe got an emergency stash somewhere, kind of just in case. I have ran into Richard Linius, so he is kind of my emergency stash. Ah. Um, 
We, so, I had breakfast with him once, and I actually asked him, "It's like, are you going to make an Arkham Horror 2.0? He's like, well, people have to stop buying the first one uh, <laughs> before it happened. So I'm like, ah, so you've got I want to see of, the game again. You've got like a direct line then. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't met Kevin Wilson, the other designer, but I did see him from across the room at a convention, and my eyes got wide, and he was wondering why somebody was staring at him. <laughs> Because the restraining order's not kicked in because they've not found out who you are. you got to watch because this is all going to come out. Everybody's going to know. <laughs> I'm okay with that. Then uh, you can always say, hi, AJ, from across the room while I'm still staring. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> so looking like you've not changed your contact lenses for about four days. <laughs> it's like that. It's like, hi, can I help you? Uh, I love you. Uh, okay, that's nice. <laughs> <laughs> So, oh. I mean, is it other game? You're in a mist, you're in a haze, you've gone. We've lost AJ, everyone. He's thinking about Arkham Horror. Is there any other games that you kind of hold in its high esteem? Or, I mean, do you are you just the guy that has Arkham Horror and that's it? You don't have any other games at all in the collection? Oh, no. Um, the, the only other game I've really rated uh, super high is the one I mentioned earlier, Arcadia Quest. And, uh, and that's mostly because I get to that to the table so... Oh, much. I, I, I love the game. I can play it with just about anyone because of its accessibility. Um, and yeah, I, I I just love that one. But what's what's with it? I mean, because I hear, I mean, um, who's it? Michael May, the, um, to complete that game, he loves Arcadia Quest. But it, 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 I hear the people that play it absolutely adore it with a passion. I hear it kind of brought up occasionally, but what is it about Arcadia Quest that you're like, you know, this is this is my jam. This isn't only my jam, it's also my bread, it's my butter, it's my cup of coffee, it's my morning toast kind of thing, you know. It, it's a dungeon crawler that's open to everyone. I mean, you're not sitting there thinking about just movement or uh, like in some other stuff. Like uh, Mage Knight, I, I'm exercising... Uh, whenever it's not my turn, it's like, okay, if I sacrifice this card and this card and this card, then I can move three spaces, mm -hmm. um, and then I'll be right next to the city. Whereas Arcadia Quest is like, okay, I can jump over that guy, stab that guy in the back, and that'll complete the quest, and hopefully in the game. Um, it, it's just lots of exciting decisions pretty much every turn. And I love that, and it's because it is so simple. You're lost in the board instead of what's going on in your hand or what are uh, on your tableau you're watching the world and the miniatures because cool many are not as great table yeah. presence with their stuff allows you to get further lost in that world yeah i must admit i do have um i went quite i do have quite a lot of super dungeon explore oh yeah it's uh, another great game and it's a really really good fun game but it's light enough that i could bring the kids in and say so how'd you play it and it's like we'll see that monster there roll your dice hit him and that's you know that's kind of as, as easy as it went and then oh what happens when I hit him well you get this and then you power up this track and then you get more stuff and then you get all these cars and then there's on the minis themselves are absolutely kind of stunning kind of stunning looking but I mean have you gone as far as painting the minis yes uh, actually, I recently had a Lord of the Rings marathon uh, with my wife where we just sat there and painted while we watched the movies. It's it's very relaxing. I, I, I'm i bad at painting, but I love doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did I mean, have you gone, is it bright colours that you go for or do you try to go for as close to kind of like the representation in the rule books and stuff or do you splash out a bit and go kind of like in a different direction? 
Well, that's the beautiful thing about Arcadia Quest and why I chose to paint it uh, instead of like my Arkham Horror miniatures is that it is bright colors and there's a lot of like, uh, it, it uses the same color palettes a lot um, instead of like highly detailed in shadow. So you, you feel a little bit more comfortable in that you are matching the cards even as a beginner painter. All right. Okay. 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 So did you, I mean, your wife sounds like she kind of plays a lot then. So is she did is that something you've always done together? Have you always kind of like, you know, always played games together? Is that kind of one of the the things that you've always done? Yes, uh, she was there when I got my first big board game, and uh, she's kind of been supporting me in the hobby ever since. I when I decided to became uh, become a game designer uh-huh. uh, instead of going to, for my doctorate in psychology. She's like, yeah, you don't like psychology. She was there to support me of jumping off that track. And we've just always been playing together. It's my constant person. I can at least get one person at the table to play this stuff with me. So you, you like Arkham Holler and you did psychology. Yeah. <laughs> I actually ended up playing the psychologist like constantly the when we started the game. I can't remember her name right now. I like I see her picture in my mind, but I can't remember her name. But that's um that's a bit of a I mean you're talking you said talking about going for your doctorate. She already had your degree. Your de- you my got bachelor's, c- yeah. You got the certificate. You would have worn the gown and the hat and got your picture and listened to the speech about going fulfilling your life. And then you're about to go for that. You're going for thinking about going for the doctorate, and then you go to down the games design path instead. Uh, who needs money? <laughs> I'd rather live in poverty. No, it's uh, we were just at that point. You've been in school for what twenty years? It's your entire life, and you've just yeah. never got to do anything else. So that's when we just kind of reevaluated things. Like, well, what can we do to actually enjoy life for once? And that's when we ended up moving to Japan. Oh, right. Okay. Right. So when did you it, do that? Uh, about six months after we graduated from college. Um, we just sat down had the talk because I was still filling out uh, applications in mm. college. So we dropped that. She's the one that applied to uh, or for the programs to go over there and teach English. And I was just going to go over on a visa and try and find work while I was there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we just... It's something we were both uh, Japanophiles. We loved watching anime, studying culture, cooking Japanese cuisine. Just because, what else are you gonna do for fun? Uh, yeah. That's pretty cheap. Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, we ended up making it over there and spent a year just falling in love with Japan even more. Uh, didn't want to come back, but unfortunately, you can't really have a career over there. It's just one thing. You can be a teacher. That's it. And mm-hmm. I wanted to start game design. <laughs> Did you, okay, were you always kind of picking away at designs? I mean, while you were enjoying kind of Arkham Horror, while you were playing Arcadia Quest, was there was there the A.J. Lambeth kind of pad and pen sitting to the side with some rules being written down, white pieces of card, the occasional counter? I mean, had you been doing it kind of a long time or was it something you thought, actually, let's see where we go with this? Uh, I I didn't really touch it while I was in college, just because mm. there was no time. If if I had any free time, it was studying, uh, trying to get my grades or keep them up. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it was mostly like once I decided not to go for my doctorate, I'm like, all right, let, let's try game design. That sounds like fun. And 
ended up being a super challenging path at first because I like to study. I want to know the material. So I was just reading all these books, listening to every podcast I could, studying the BGG forums and just throwing myself uh, into the rabbit's hole as far as I could just to understand before I really attempted to put anything out there, which was the wrong way. Really, you should just start making games right from the get-go. Yeah. Yeah, again, if you've come from, a, I guess, a psychology background where you've got to understand certain kind of theories and practices and things like that, then I guess the natural thing is to pick up and see, well, what have other people kind of done before? What's the kind of the best practice? What should I do here? What should I do there? And I guess uh, it's, I don't know, I, 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 I wouldn't imagine... If I went and seen like a therapist and they said, and you said, well, how did you learn how to do this? I said, well, you know what? I just woke up one day and I just decided I can be a psychotherapist. <laughs> I just opened my doors. I got the, you know, I got a nice comfortable chair that you're sitting in. I got myself, <laughs> I got myself a set of pens and a pad and, you know, let's do the healing. <laughs> you know, it doesn't kind of, it doesn't, but so I can see kind of where you took the journey to kind of, kind of do that. How many, um, how many, was it difficult to get ideas? I mean, did your first, were your first kind of um, ideas, whether it's like, I've got this game, it's called Arkham Terror. Or did you, were the first couple of games, were they completely, did you try and move away completely from what you'd played with Arcadia Quest and Arkham Horror, example, like, like, like uh, that? The first ideas, I was just kind of going off mechanics, or... Okay, it's it's hard to say what started me off and what direction. Uh, at first, it was always bursting with ideas, just because I didn't know what was wrong uh, or why certain things didn't work. So I'm like, what if we did this? Uh, I think the first one was like a planetary game where you're just racing to uh, mine all the minerals and like uh, attract settlers to your areas, and it, it, just a whole bunch of pitfalls. And now I'm a little bit more tempered with ideas, and mm-hmm. I'm able to take them further because of that, um, instead of just wasting a little bit of time on uh, ideas that aren't aren't very exciting too. Um, especially Colossal is a Kickstarter-based company, so whatever I'm first thinking about games, so like, does this theme exciting? Do, does this sound like something yeah. I can actually pitch, given that our, if all the mechanics are finished? Yeah, exactly. It's like Colossal Games presents, is this glass half full or half empty? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Kickstarter. I mean, fortunately, the industry as a whole is kind of... Uh, progressing forward in a positive direction and people expect better games so uh you had to make sure you're putting out the best and that's Did... our first test when we're looking at games is is this amazing is this astounding we can't look at just subpar games anymore yeah did you um did you me- are you the type of person that takes mechanics from your ideas and then melts them together into into newer games i've heard of some designers that will be playtesting one game and then say well actually the whole idea doesn't seem to gel together but I can take this kind of card drafting mechanic and I can put it in this other idea for a game that I have um I can't say that's popped up really in any of my designs um especially when I'm like looking at other people's stuff because I'm too scared of them saying like well Colossal took uh, my stuff um <laughs> But I mean, I, I'm definitely looking at other, like especially published games for uh, ideas. Like Richard Garfield got what King of Tokyo from playing yeah. Yahtzee. Yeah. Um, 
what about your own ideas? Have you kind of taken previous mechanics that you've thought about and then put them into newer ideas for yourself then as well? Are you kind of yeah. taking inspiration and using it in other places? Uh, yeah, actually, like the round board for Kamisama is from a space game that I had uh, taken a whack at like a year beforehand. Uh, the rotating board originally was like a, a clear board and there was a round board underneath that rotated with planets on it. So your spaceship may crash into planets if you weren't uh, uh, factoring in gravity as the planets spun around the sun. Mm -hmm. um, and I got rid of the whole uh, second board that held the spaceships because that was just really hard to prototype and i'm like oh what if we just cut into four sections and made it seasons oh, right. um, okay and then i used my inspiration while i was living in japan because i just fell in love with shintoism um it just kind of i love the idea of you being a kami or a spirit and just using your influence or power over the land uh, to influence these villages and bring in followers and then the seasons rotated or the board rotated and kept you locked into one section at a time originally you were like locked into a different season uh so because kami in that version like view time a little bit differently than humans so i was in winter you'd be in summer and uh, if i was a harvest spirit i really my powers were awful while i was in winter there was no harvest going on um but during fall i was a badass <laughs> so, so was a ticket i mean it sounds to me like the japanese influence kind of really you know is all the way through kind of kamisama as a game itself i mean when did you when was the moment you kind of like you sat down and went well this is this is not only a game that's going to go somewhere this is a game that's definitely going to kind of work um i mean was there a lot of was there a lot of changes between the game that you pitched to colossal versus the kind of the final version that's sitting on kickstarter just now um the core game is definitely there i mean the idea of the rotating board uh separate villages and uh spreading your influence mm -hmm. that's all there um, oh, and uh, every Kami having unique abilities. But we definitely made the game a lot friendlier um, in ways so that people are processing all the information and uh, following victory. Because like the original one, it was a race game. It was first person with 25 influence on the board wins. Mm -hmm. uh, so it was very cutthroat when you were just like trying to get this. Like, ah, I, I, I'm taking you down. And you're always picking on the leader. And it was more of when can you combo into the victory? I was a huge magic player. So I loved uh, comboing all my abilities ah, together. Right. Okay. Yeah. 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 Was it, was it difficult to move away from that then? Um, I mean, when you've got your own idea, when you've invested a much time, do you, are you, you having to learn to kind of accept people, somebody's going to come in and want to make changes in order to see what they, you know, they can improve in it then. Since I was a new designer, I just uh, I was open to pretty much everyone's idea, especially Travis, who is uh, one who looked at it and is a veteran of the industry. And I mean, he presents reasons why uh, he wants to do this. It's not like gives you a call one day. It's like, hey, I uh, changed it to three abilities or whatever. So, you exactly. know, See trashed all that work. No, it's just like, here's where I want to move, why I want to move it, yeah. and then ask you to or and then we work together to recreate those kami um so and, and that's the philosophy we use for all of our designers it's like here's what we'd like to do why we want to do it because it's not just uh, we're borrowing somebody else's dream and kind of making it a reality but we want to make sure that they're along for the ride and that's why i wanted to come and work for colossal why i'm here is 
I, I know how important game design is to some people. It's what you want to do. It's what you think about and just listen to in the car rides and think about in the showers or while you're brushing your teeth. So we want to be very respectful of everyone's dreams. That's how they treated Kami-sama. And that's what I want to do for everyone else. How do you get from, you know, a couple of, you know, saying, okay, I'm going to go into game design to getting a job with Colossal because there'll be guys look okay there's going to be people who are going to be listening to this who have three pads of A4 paper bags of counters meeples and everything and they've been looking at trying to get into the industry they're probably thinking about hitting a Kickstarter next year um, what was your process for kind of getting into Colossal I mean did you had you pitched Kami Sama to a couple of places or did you just rock up to Colossal and say look you're the guys I want to look at making this game how did that kind of happen no I had uh, pitched the game actually while I was in Japan um, Mm. because I I had no resources no startup money uh, to like get art and stuff like that so I'm like all right let's let's pitch it to somebody because I just want to see my name on a box I (laughs) I, want to know that I made something in the world and that it exists yeah um so I, I was pitching the game, but I'd never got anywhere. I mean, most people didn't respond, or if it was, it's just like, yeah, our schedule's full, or no, this is just too crazy. I mean, it's, why is the board rotating? That's that's not supposed to happen. <laughs> um, which is what it, uh, a Travis was attracted to, is how different it was. Because the game, when you put that round board out on the table, people just kind of like stop and turn their heads like, what is that? Um so, the, I mean, my weakness ended up being the strength uh, in the end for Kickstarter and just uh, why Colossal took on the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I hadn't really pitched uh, a lot in person. Uh, in fact, uh, when I met Travis, that was my first uh, big board gaming convention. Wow. Uh, before that, it was like small little uh, doodads and meetups uh, with my local gaming group in Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. Um, so I, I was really nervous. So where did, where did you meet Travis? Was it a Gen Con then? Or? Geekway to the West. All right, cool. Okay, 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 okay. Did you, I mean, did you, did you have to psych yourself up? Did you know you were, did you already kind of prearrange the appointment or did you kind of rock up kind of saying, well, I'm just going to go up and see what he says? Ah, oh, well, it was actually part of a contest. Um, oh, right, okay. So I, I was already ecstatic and had barely slept the night before because I drove into <laughs> St. Louis. So I was pretty exhausted. I had worked that day, drove into St. Louis, missed the first day of the convention. Oh, wow. Um, and then, yeah, met afterwards. Uh, <laughs> so the first thing that Travis sees is this guy with a box under his arm, slight black rings, marks under his eyes, kind <laughs> 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 of coffee cup in the other hand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, See, Red Bull is the reason I have a job. <laughs> but uh, it was actually way later uh, down the road that uh, we really dug into Kamisama. Um, yeah. Because at first, it, the game did not do well uh, presenting there. It, it was way later down the road after Colossal was started that I actually heard back from Travis. Oh, right. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought the game was kaput for a while. Um, did, you, did you get kind of like a a job at that point then did you did you continued on the game design thing or did you put something else to one side oh i i the job came after like uh two months of me working part-time like 
I had my full-time job. I had a weekend job. And then every day I went home and Skyped Travis and uh, worked on the game, the, uh, the game, our tabletop simulator. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that we could both be playing the game and working through these edits together. But yeah, I was basically up till midnight almost every day just working on the game and then working my other job so it was just kind of months of crazy stress and just uh again coffee and red bull keeping me alive (laughs) but But, uh, it it worked out because it it helped show my dedication to uh working on games yeah yeah i mean do you i I take it you still remember the point where travis said like okay um We've got we've got something here. Why don't you kind of sh- shimmy on down and and kind of join the company? Oh, I was ecstatic. I was actually, <laughs> I I was wanting to move out of Springfield uh, before that, so this was just a godsend for me. I'm like, I can get paid to play games, <laughs> uh, which actually ended up not being what it is. Like playing games is only a fraction of the job. <laughs> <laughs> But at the time, yes, I was like, yes, I was running around just super hyped, maybe because, again, of the Red Bull, but uh, <laughs> I was And then I was you would have had the Red Bull, Red Bull crash. Your wife would have watched <laughs> you just kind of running back going, I got a job! I got a job! I got... <laughs> oh, he's oh. put him to bed. Can, can someone help me put AJ to bed? <laughs> Poor boy's tuckered out. He got a job. He's a game designer now. Yeah, it's colossal. Uh, yeah, they're good. Shoot. Travis, yeah, yeah, he's good. Yeah, yes, yeah, it's that. Yeah, that game I told you about. Yeah, yeah. but he's 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 fallen on my leg, so I'm not going to be able to get up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she learned to just leave me wherever I fell. <laughs> just bur- just bury me where I fall. So, <laughs> did you, I mean was it? I mean, you must be handing in your your kind of your notice to your job, and I mean, was it? Did that? Did you? I mean, how close were you to the kind of? I take it, did you have to move? Um, oh house? yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I end up moving, leaving the state, which I I was excited about. I mean, Springfield, Missouri. There's there there's a wonderful gaming group down there, the four one seven gamers, and mm. uh, it's I actually found out they were a, they're pretty serious compared to the gaming groups I've uh, ran into in other places, simply because they played those huge games like Mega Civilization, where you're spending fourteen hours playing one game. Uh, <laughs> And I, I haven't really got to do that outside of convention, so I'm sad. Um, but there wasn't a lot of game design going on yeah, in the area. Yeah. Um, a lot of it, I was just on the forums and trying to talk to the people and working again on Tabletop Simulator or Tabletopia, just making things work that way, trying to get my name out there and work with other people. I uh, mean, did you have you found... Did you find the game community... I mean, one of the things that still gets leveled at the game community is... That it's still very, very open. That's still, you know, you can rock up and say, "Here's my game design," and you don't get somebody turning around and going, "Don't be stupid, go away." But people are kind of welcome and are willing to look at your mechanics in the game, and you know, let me have a shot. Did you find that kind of you got that from the community that people were willing to look at, you know, Kami Sama and 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 kind of offer feedback, and did you get to play test it and stuff like that as well? Yes, uh, it, it's a very open community. If you're willing to put in the work, I mean, uh, you'd need to play test other people's games. Uh, you, 
a lot of the times when I was just talking to people online or setting up uh, meetings uh, in the software, it was always, okay, well, we would randomly draw one of the games, start there, and then we would each stay until we played each of the games. And if you left early, you, were, you better have a good reason. Otherwise, you weren't invited back to the group for future playtest sessions. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, it was easy to get players if you're willing to sit in and listen to their games as well. And I mean, I, I got into these groups without really any effort or any uh, credentials to back me up. It's just like, oh, yeah, I have a game, too. I'd like you guys to check out. Well, okay, welcome to the group. Uh, we're meeting at this time. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I mean, um, it's very reciprocal. I mean, it ends up being a symbiotic relationship. Everybody benefits from it because as a designer, it's very sim- it can be very easy to get blinkered and almost tied into an original creation. I mean, that's the same for anything, whether it's designing a game or, you know, writing a book or, you know, doing anything, a piece of art, anything, making a cake, somebody coming around and actually saying, um, you know, you should put some rhubarb in that, that would just sort that out fine and dandy. But I mean, it's kind of being able to kind of take that, kind of take that kind of feedback kind of on board. Um, did you have involvement in Western Legends, which was the you know obviously the first kind of Kickstarter game that Colossal put out there as being part of the team? Were you did you have any involvement in that at all? Yes, that was pretty much my life for uh, the first eight months I moved out here. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm still kind of reviewing files and making sure everything's good. But that's that's one of the reasons I was hired on is to like help develop other games. Um, okay. Kamisama just kind of we we put it on the back burner because it was our second game. I mean, mm. we're, we're we're still visiting it as often as possible. But Western Legends was a monster of a game. I mean, open world sandbox. Uh, there, there's no track to keep the players on. So, uh, yeah, I was I was said as one of the developers in that game, but I was working right alongside Travis, playtesting the game each day, jumping into the spreadsheets, and uh, kind of getting set up so that I can help. Uh, Travis, so he, I mean, he's the president of the company. He's also our lead developer, but he mm-hmm. can't always be there to develop. So uh, I needed to be able to jump in there and head the projects and keep things afloat uh, in case he's going out and making deals with other companies or doing tours or whatever else Travis does. Yeah, so it must have been a bit of a difference kind of saying, okay, we're going to go in, going to do Kamasama. Oh, here's Western Legends. Okay, um, what I do? Well, you work on this. This is what you're doing now. You're developing, you're helping kind of development that game. Did that, um, by getting involved in the development of Western Legends to the level that you did, did that also help with the development of little tweaks to Kamisama as well? Did that allow you to kind of look on, because you were developing a complete, what appeared to be a completely different game, did that then allow you to kind of look at Kamisama and say, actually, maybe let's just tweak this bit while we're here kind of thing? I It helps streamline the process on how we approach development. Like, uh, because we're a big company, or, well, we're small, but we have a lot of games with us is what I should say. Yeah. Um, we need to be able to track a whole lot of changes. And Western Legends was a great uh, primer for that, being able to uh, format these spreadsheets that work for everyone and track all these play records and the proper equipment and just all that fun stuff. It, it was our first one to test out all these different systems and software and uh, how we're approaching just step-by-step step of the development process. So while I can't say that any of the parts of Western Legends made it to Kamisama, yeah, um, how we approach development definitely did. Because now when 
we approach Gamisama in all of our future games, I know how to make these sheets. And uh, I we have all of our software and stuff set up and the whole team is kind of coming together and it's running a lot smoother now because we have some games under our belt now. Were you um, very surprised or were you, how, you know, what was the mood in camp like as West, Western Legends kind of took off? Was it a kind of a, yay, this is doing really well and, oh my goodness, there's all these stretch goals that we're opening up that we've got to kind of develop. <laughs> no, I was excited. I mean, uh, like we had uh, talked about a lot of these ideas uh, for stretch goals, especially leading up to the campaign. It's like, what if we did this? And like, we've always wanted to do this idea, but we had to balance all this other stuff. So we were finally getting to open up that treasure trove of uh, all the characters and abilities <laughs> and extra items. Like, yay, look at all these fun things we actually wanted, that we wanted to play with, but couldn't until now. Um, so the, it's a very exciting time during the Kickstarter. One, I mean... Uh, you're making all that extra money and like proving that all your work was worth it. It's like, yeah. yes, I, I, I get to keep my job. Um, <laughs> yeah, but no. also yeah, all the fun little doodads that uh, weren't streamlined enough for the base game, or at least you didn't get to the table enough to know for sure it could be in the game. You can now do and can mm -hmm. afford to print uh, because yeah. all that stuff isn't cheap. Does that put extra pressure on the development team to do more rounds of playtesting? Yes. You, you, yeah. I mean, I mean, we don't want to release anything that's going to break the game. It's yeah. I, I hate when people say, "Oh, it's a Kickstarter item; it didn't have to be tested or whatever." It's like, no, yeah, you want to make it exciting, but you you want to put out a quality product. Yeah, I mean, um, you but, became. I mean, you became the little engine that could. I mean, let's face it: when you did, <laughs> I mean, you did like you know, it was well over half a million dollars. It was almost approaching six hundred thousand. I think it was. Um, I'm just thinking. Five seventy five. Five sixty-eight, but you're close. Oh. It's right. Ah. It's close, but it's not what I've got on the card, AJ. I'm I, sorry. I was thinking of my dream, unfortunately. That's okay. You've missed out on the microwave, but you've still <laughs> you've still got a chance to get the car. Ooh. Um, <laughs> just saying. Um, Luckily, at the end, you have an idea of what's balanced and what's not. So when you yeah. are approaching content at the end, it's like, oh, I I can point out exactly why that won't work. So it makes all your Kickstarter stuff a lot easier to. Uh, develop and design you you're not coming in it out of the blue with just like open fields like ah okay it's, we should do this no that's way broken you already have an idea of what's going to work and what's not going to work did you have quite a lot of stretch goals planned out then for western legends we had a number of ideas ready in the back uh stuff mm -hmm. that we had talked about doing during the development process and went right down it's like oh uh, there should be I, I mean, like a lot of the items were kind of already planned out ahead of time, mm -hmm. um, and some of them even tested to a degree, um, but we weren't expecting that many characters uh, and all of that extra content. The, the success, our campaign was a huge success, and we did have to throw in some stuff, especially as people suggested ideas that they wanted, um, like the uh, bandits having their own uh, system where uh, each bandit has a little AI thing going on and he has extra... Uh, rewards and uh, penalties in the fights. That was a last minute addition based on the BGG forms. Uh, so we had to like quickly pro our, uh, test that out in house, make sure that it worked. It's like, yes, we get to give them what they want. Um, and that's such a rewarding feeling when you can get out exactly what people were asking for and try and meet all of their expectations. And, and then you go in a completely what seems to be in thematically a complete change of direction. Because normally, 
it's commonplace for a developer to kind of stay within certain confines of types of games, you know, like a miniature type game. You know, there'll be game companies out there that will be releasing kind of light to casual games. You know, you've got Simon, which do their big games. You know, Steam Forge again, big box games. Western mm. Legends goes. You know, you got Western Legends, and then you're going all the way to Kami Sama. So, tell me, you know, let's 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 put these other things to one side. Let's talk about Kami Sama. I mean, if somebody's looking on the project, and they're looking at it, going, it's there's big round bits of card and I love the art it's fantastic but what's what's the game how would you go how would you play the game what's the mechanics behind the game and stuff like that uh, it's a four our two to four player area control game which usually means that it's a little bit mean but this game uh, takes a whole new spin on area control because you're split up into four villages um, and you're trying to spread your influence and each player is playing within one village at a time So this allows you to sit there and focus on just comboing out and using the abilities to the be uh, Your Kami's abilities to the best of your ability um, To just find these fun little uh, patterns that you can build and just come up with brilliant ways to knock out your opponents and place your own shrines and it doesn't feel like you're personally attacked because you're in separate villages and most of the time you're chasing uh, that reward or uh, yeah that uh, reward card or you're getting the favor of nature so it's a lot more relaxing as compared to other area controls do you have because you've got a, you've got a fair number of components here you've got like your you've got quite a few villages so do the villager cars have their own powers then do you play like I mean what what would you what would you do in a round I guess I'm asking AJ so each round, you uh, start with the number of action cubes uh, based on the current year. Year one, you're starting with three action cubes uh, to help lead you up to making our uh, five action cubes when you have to make the most decisions. There's a nice little curve uh, in complexity as the game goes on. Uh, but during your turn, you're going to spend the action cubes to power uh, your different abilities. Uh, everybody has the basic add or remove shrines, as well as three unique uh, abilities to your kami. So if I'm the Harvest Spirit, for example, I have a lot of abilities that are based around the fields uh, where harvesting occurs. Um, so I could just sit there and just kind of plan out, okay, I can remove one of my shrines from the field, remove extra opponents, and set me up to complete a pattern. There is a pattern that's available for each year, and completing it gives you village tokens, which are one of the best ways to gain uh, victory points in the game. Mm -hmm. um, or I can jump into the fields and the forest and the temple to gain or raise my favor in nature tracks. Every kami has to balance their favor with man and their connection to the natural world, nature, which is the other major way to gain victory points in the game. So those are your two major objectives you're really trying to hunt down, and you're trying to find that balance in between. It's like, which one do I complete now? Which one can I complete? And uh, what is the best way to go about doing that? Because the board is going to rotate at the end of each round, and you're going to be playing in a different village, again, separate from your opponents. Do you then replace the items that you had? Do you remove the items that you had before? Do they stay in the village that you've just played? And do they, you know, do they interrupt potential moves for the other player? Or do you remove, do you essentially refresh the entire board at the end of that round? 
So the board never refreshes. The shrines always stay in there, which means the Aye. first year is nice and friendly. There's lots mm. of real estate and fields for us to just kind of place all of our stuff in. And then year two is when we start slitting throats because you have to really get in there and take your opponents out. Um, just because there's very limited space and everybody wants the fields and the forests or to complete the patterns. Um, it really depends on which comm you're in the game and how they're approaching victory because there's a huge amount of asymmetry in the game. Every comm plays different. So you've got to kind of read that. It's like, oh, Hala, the Harvest Spirit, is going for all the fields. So I want to try and head her off there or just give the fields to her. It's like, I'm walking away. Th those are hers. Um, and I'll be focusing on completing the patterns in the less um, uh, fought-over sections on the board, like the stilt houses and the huts. Uh, they mm -hmm. don't give immediate rewards, but you're more likely to keep your shrines in there because at the end of uh, each year, you're going to gain villagers, which give you little bonuses for your favor in nature track and straight victory points. Or some of them do have little uh, immediate triggered abilities. Um, and they you, you can't count out the villager victory points. A lot of people just go for the immediate favor of nature stuff And then all of a sudden somebody gets all these high point villagers and wins the game because it's a hidden scoring mechanic You don't know who's winning until uh, The dust is settled at the very end and all the villagers are counted ah, right. up, okay. Which helps stop that kingmaker situation you see in a lot of area controls Yeah, yeah, did you um have kind of replayability in mind when you were designing the game as well making sure that people weren't just getting it to the table maybe five kind of ten times before kind of seeing the same kind of patterns emerge yes uh, with a lot of take that games uh you kind of develop a quick strategy and then you won't play the game again because you know it's like oh if i'm this faction i do this or and there's only like three factions in the game um but anyway, with uh, Kamisama, we approached it with, what if every time you played the game, there was a different little mini game and way of approaching uh, victory? Because there's so many uh, different variations you can do with the game. We actually had to dumb down a lot of the game just to keep it simple enough to approach a different puzzle each time. That's mm -hmm. why the game is essentially add and remove shrines, which doesn't sound that exciting until you're like, but... What if you add or remove shrines and you also get seed tokens and you can use those to explode other shrines or to grow yours for victory points? Or what if every time you're doing this, you gain fear tokens that you can spend it as an extra resource uh, to power all these different abilities and mess up other people's stuff by replacing the shrines and they're messing up their little pattern. So every Kami has their own little mini game uh, while still approaching the same goal as everyone. And that just gives it a lot of replayability, which was how we always wanted to approach the game and how my early iterations of the game uh, were going. Everybody had their own way, uh, their own abilities and way of approaching victory. When you... Um, one of the things that's very strong on the, on the game is the artwork. I mean, how... How far into the process was it that you started to see the artwork and, and did it was it a bit of a game changer for you as a designer to see a game the game kind of sitting there all looking stunning, the components all kind of coloured in and, and everything like that? Was that um was that kind of cool to see kind of the ideas kind of come to a full fruition? Yeah, that's one of the most rewarding parts is just uh, seeing the game come together and uh, seeing all these ideas you've had rattling around in your head uh, for years actually like fleshed out as a real board game, no longer just those little cardboard components that you were cutting out from Hobby Lobby. Um, <laughs> we ended up seeing the artwork uh, about a month into signing it on with Colossal. 
yeah. uh, because I mean we need to turn stuff around pretty fast. But Gong Studios, they they're very fast and very good at what they do. Um, uh, it was amazing. I when when I first made the game, I was originally uh, imagining like oil painting stuff because uh, I liked the idea of like uh, those Japanese paintings where you like see the brush strokes and stuff like that. So that's what I was wanting. But then Travis just assured me Gunk Studios does amazing work and could approach those vibrant colors that would really help sell the game and uh, bring in the more casual gamers. Because this is oh almost a gateway plot or a gateway game it, it's kind of right on that fence and we wanted to make sure that they were brought in with beautiful art and gunk studios is the way to go um yeah and w- when i saw Hala, i believe was the first one the harvest spirit i was just <laughs> in love I, I i couldn't believe it she was actually here she was her own character not some art that i had stolen offline from my prototypes it, it, it was actually happening and that was one of the most exciting moments with the game uh behind the scenes <laughs> Have you um, have you thought about kind of like uh, you've got obviously the awakened expansion? Have you got other expansions that you're going to be are already inside your mind that have, like you've already got kind of planned out for future? I have ideas that I'd like to approach, but nothing mm. that I've actually sat down and tested out and like um, made sure that the ideas actually work. Mm-hmm. Um, like we, we we've talked about trying to bring back the seasons because now they're villages. We, we kind of want to bring back the seasons in some way with an extra board that would go underneath or a player mat. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we would need additional rules for each of the kami so that they uh, still influenced by the different seasons. Or I've always wanted to do like a dragon kami expansion. Like there's four different dragon gods or spirits that each uh, interact with each other in a different way. So it had to be a four player exclusive. I don't know, it, there's lots of ideas I just kind of want to play with if the game does really well and uh, we get enough uh, traction for an expansion. Um, what's the diving in price? If, you know, when people, I'm obviously we'll put the link in the show notes so that we have kind of notes to show. But what's, I mean, how, how much are you going to pay to get involved if you've listened along tonight and think this actually sounds right up my street? Um what's it going to cost you to kind of dive on in so the game itself is 42 dollars, and uh i believe it's seven dollars shipping if you're in the united states so that comes up to 49 just right underneath 50 dollars mm-hmm. um and then if you're in the uk over in your side of the world let's see where that is united nations nope not united nations <laughs> uh <laughs> that brings it up to 53 dollars. so you know just four dollars more but yeah mm-hmm. it starts at 42 and goes up from there uh for the base game uh, if you want to get the first expansion, which includes our little radish spirit, uh, that's 12 additional dollars. Um, and that introduces four new kami, uh, some new villagers into the game. And uh, each of the kami in there is... So the base game, we really kept it simple. I wanted uh, just kind of the base kami that anybody... I didn't know if this was going to be your first board game or whatever. I tried to keep all those really simple. Uh, just yeah. explaining the mechanics of the game. There are some... There's a couple of advanced ones, like Shize especially. Uh, she takes a little bit of mastery of the game to really uh, control well. But um, Spirit Way is where we really got to run away with uh, our ideas, like Daikono and placing the little radish baby tokens across the board, just trying to trick your opponent or goading your opponents into going into those spaces. That is a really fun game to play with. And um, 
Yuma's uh, little dream deck where he gets to manipulate certain spells based on which uh, tile is available. That's a really fun game to play with. Mm. Uh, so all these unlocked uh, Kami and we still have some more on the way. That's where we really got to push the boundaries a bit more for people that uh, once they played their first game, then they can really jump into it. And it's like, oh, man, this is where a lot of uh, the really creative Kami are. I mean, as I say, it's you've got, was it this countdown just now, isn't it? You've got about five days left when we're recording this. Um, in a couple of sentences, why should people think about diving in to Kamisama? Because you get to become a spirit of nature. You get to control the elements themselves as you bash your opponents out of the village and spread your influence. What other game allows you to have such amazing area control mechanics without looking your friend in the eye and crushing their dreams at the same time? You still get to walk away as friends at the end of the day, but you still beat them. (laughs) (laughs) I can't think of a better way. (laughs) That sounds fantastic. Um, as I say, we'll put the um, we'll put the links in the show notes so that people can, you know, click in, check out the project, and then hopefully press that button and go ahead and back. If people want to find yourself and Colossal, where do you guys exist on the interweb nets? So you can find both me and Colossal on Facebook. Um, Mm -hmm. and that's the really only social media platform I ever jump onto. Uh, but you can always find Colossal. Uh, we have a website called colossalgames.com. Uh, there's Mm -hmm. an Instagram and Twitter feed where we'll constantly send pictures or talk about games and development, ones that we've recently signed. So you get an idea of what'll be hitting Kickstarter in the near future and see games as they progress. We like to take early pictures uh, as well as the late game pictures and show you, uh, what's going on. Uh, behind the scenes okay well as i say we will take all this i think i probably still have a lot of the links from the time that mark and kira was on <laughs> and if not <laughs> we shall make sure that they're on um thank you very very much for coming on aj this is th- um this has been very very interesting indeed um i wish you best of luck with the, the campaign you're funded so it's definitely going to happen it's just a question of how many of those additional little stretch goals get unlocked over the next kind of four or five four or five days. So um, thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me on, Richard. I really appreciate it. Now, uh, if you want to keep an eye on what we're up to, then please jump on to the various social media platforms. You can go on to Twitter. You can go on to Facebook. You can go on to um, Instagram and you'll find us if you search for We Are Not Wizards. If you were on Spotify, Spotify let us on. Fools. <laughs> Abchul fools. They have no idea what they'll let themselves in for. But if you do use <laughs> Spotify, then search for We Are Not Wizards and you'll find us on there as well. Just absolutely delighted about that. Um, you can find us on YouTube if you go to We Are Not Wizards Tabletop Podcast. You can find us on Stitcher and Spreaker and Acast and Podknife and... You can find us on Apple Podcasts as well if you like what you've listened to tonight. And um, yeah, I think uh, AJ has been a fantastic guest. Then please consider dropping us a subscription. Um, If you like us even more than that, consider dropping us a review. And as we say, 
If you are going to drop us a review, please don't give us 10 stars because that will make us big-headed. But don't give us one star because that will make us cry. Give us five. 9.9? Or five because it's in the middle and it's average. And we, we're just a little bit average. But the person who's not being average tonight is the rather wonderful, the rather fantastic. Um, he is the man of the hour. It's Mr. Le- Mr. AJ Lambeth from Colossal Games. So thank you again, AJ, for coming on. <laughs> Thanks for having me, Richard. Um, there's only two more things to do. The first thing is to remember that we are many things, but we're not wizards. What? Are we wizards, AJ? I want to be. Don't. I can cut this whole thing. (laughs) I can cut cut this whole thing. We're not wizards. Brilliant. Blackmail. (laughs) It's an ugly word. It's a necessary thing sometimes. Um, And the second thing is to say goodbye. So it's a goodbye from AJ. So goodbye. Bye, everyone. And it's a goodbye from me. Remember, uh, stay safe, roll sixes. And um, if you fancy... um, I don't know, getting a little bit spirited, high-spirited, low-spirited, or even turn-up-spirited, then maybe you want to check out the world of Kami-sama. That sounds like a fantastic little area control game. But until the next time, goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.